pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Merry Christmas, Jays fans, and welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and alongside Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, we'll take you around the world of Creighton Athletics as we're about ready to wrap up the calendar year of 2022. Coming up on this week's show, we will hear from the head coach of Creighton women's basketball, Jim Flannery. We will also get a breakdown of everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks with Creighton basketball. Connor Happer will have that. And then a look back at a Creighton legend who passed away this past week, Paul Silas, who was one of the great legends of Creighton basketball, longtime NBA player and coach, longest tenured former Creighton Blue Jay ever in the National Basketball Association, especially when you combine his coaching career. Plus, he is one of only five Blue Jays to have his number retired by Creighton Basketball. I had a chance to sit down with the legend a few years ago, just before he went into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and I will replay that interview for you today here on the podcast. The 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. After a week off, the Creighton women's basketball team gets right back into action and they will dive into the deep end of the pool. The Blue Jay women will be taking on Arkansas, number 21st ranked team in the country, Saturday afternoon at Sokol Arena, followed just a couple of days later by traveling out to Palo Alto, California to battle Stanford. Then after the Christmas break, Big E season resumes, and it resumes with the Yukon Huskies. That will be a home game on Wednesday, December the 28th at Sokol Arena. Their head coach, Jim Flannery, is with our Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome back to the podcast today the head coach of the Creighton women's basketball team, currently sitting 8-1 and one on the year as the non-conference slate is about to wrap up. It is Jim Flannery. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm great, Josh. Happy holidays early. I was just going to that, – that's where I wanted to begin. <laughs> Happy holidays to you, too. How's the shopping going? We're, we're getting very, very close. Uh, you know, I, I have a couple of things left that I'm going to order online. How are things going for you? Uh, a little slow. Let me tell you a quick story. So probably what well, had to be at least 12 years ago, because it was before Mac got here, I was at Dick Sporting Goods uh, near Oakview. And in the store on December 23rd, Dana Altman, Ed Service, and Jim Flannery. And I thought, here are three guys who know... <laughs> <laughs> who wait until the 23rd one 
And the only place they know to go is a sporting goods store, probably looking for things for their wives and whatever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's about normal for me is 22nd or 23rd is when I start. Yeah. And you wonder, uh, coach, you know, it, th- with everything being online now, the younger generation, will they ever know the stress of having to go to the mall on December 23rd or December 24th and everyone has the thousand yard stairs. They're looking around. What in the world am I going to get? Nothing is left. Nope. They won't know that. And, uh, <laughs> and then I made the mistake of, I had asked my wife a few weeks ago, what she wanted for Christmas. And of course I forgot because I wasn't going to buy it at least until the, you know, we get back from Stanford on the 21st. And uh, so I had to re-ask what she wanted. And she's like, well, if it wasn't, if it wasn't important enough for you to remember, I'm not going to tell you. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Well, we now, uh, we now know that coach Flan is going to get a lump of coal for, uh, for Christmas. Uh, the, The last time I had a chance to talk to you coach was, right before, right after the season had started. And one of the things I know we focused on was how do you think the team's going to handle the expectations? How do you think the team's going to handle being ranked? Yada, yada, yada. Month and a half into the year, non-conference late, almost done. How do you think that the team is, has done it at dealing with that, especially as you got up to that undefeated start, you kept climbing and climbing? Yeah, I think we've handled it. I think we've handled it well. I think there is a little bit of stress uh, involved in trying to duplicate last year and and build on it. And, and I think our schedule, you know, I think the, the good news is I feel like our schedule had the ability to kind of keep us grounded. I mean, there was no, there weren't four or five cup, cupcakes out of the chute where we're like, where we get a little full of ourselves and, and think we've got it all figured out. You know, I think we had enough, enough challenges. Um, so even when we're winning, we're like, okay, well, but, but they exposed us here and, and we clearly need to get better here. And um, so those, that certainly was evident. I feel like with, with, you know, having played three ranked teams through our first eight games, I think, or seven games even. Um, And, uh, but, but no, we found different ways to win, which I think is the mark of a, of a good team is we, we haven't always had our best. Um, But I think that's over 30 games. You're not going to, you need to find ways to win when you're not quite as, as, as good or polished or prepared as you need to be. And, and uh, so I think they've done a good job of that. And, um, you know, it's more about maybe, you know, individuals digging, you know, digging themselves out of a, of a game where they maybe haven't played as well. And uh, I think they've, for the most part, we've done a good job of that too. Flank, given what you just mentioned with the uptake in opponents, you know, seeing those ranked teams and, and, you know, finishing up finals week right now, just the grind to the end of, of the semester, where would you say that, that your group is mentally as, as well as physically at this point in the season? Yeah, well, I think the last week and a half has helped us. I mean, we played a lot of games in, in a stretch and, and not just um, games, but road games. Um, and, and so I think, I think going, you know, going to – Going back a couple of weeks, I think we were a little bit tired and didn't necessarily play our best. But I think getting getting some time in between uh, Xavier, which was on a Friday, all the way till Villanova the following Friday, got us some practice time. Um, and then and then after losing to St. John's, we got time to to get ready for Drake, and then even some more time than this last week. So the problem with non-conference is you spend so much time prepping. Once you get into November, you know you've got two or three, maybe four days in between games at the most. So you're working more on your opponents than you are on yourself. I feel like we've been able to get back to ourselves and, and work a little bit on Creighton and, 
how do we get better instead of instead of just moving on to the next opponent? So because I think that's a challenge once you get into the season is, okay, how do we how do we fix us a little bit um, when we when we maybe only have one or two days to prep for an opponent? Um, and some opponents are a little more complicated than others. So sometimes, um, you know, you might have two days of prep, but you can do a little bit to work on yourself um, because the opponent isn't that complicated. Other times um, the opponent's complicated enough that you, you need to spend pretty much your entire uh, period uh, prepping for them. So, um, but, it, but it's definitely been good that they've been able to sleep in their own bed the last couple of weeks. We got home, played Drake at home and now Arkansas at home. So really almost, almost two straight weeks of sleeping in their own beds. Going back to what you just said about kind of focusing on on yourselves, is there something that maybe has stood out to you that that you that maybe you're pleased with and you want to keep going, or, or something that you're focusing on that you'd like to see improving as you go on into Big East play in a couple of weeks? I think one of the challenges for us, Josh, is that we have um, we have a team with probably more shot makers and creators than we've ever had, and the, the maybe the discipline of of being okay with going a little bit longer into the possession. Um, and I think that's been something that we can, we can get better at. And we've kind of stressed that the last week and a half is um, just being a little bit more willing to go deeper into the shot clock and make a team guard a couple more passes. So our philosophy is, Hey, let's, let's transition. Let's explore transition. If we don't have that, now we have to make teams guard. And I think when you've got, kind of the experience and the shot makers we have that can be, you know, sometimes we're, we're making a play a little bit too early um, and, and your percentage goes down a little bit sometimes. And um, you know, for instance, last year we assisted on 73% of our shots. Okay. Which means we moved the ball. Uh, we weren't making it where we weren't having to make as many plays off the dribble this year. We're at 57 or 58. So that's, and, and I knew that number would be lower based on losing Tatum Rembaugh, who is one of the best passers in the country. I felt like, you know, we weren't going to be at 73 this year, but um, we need to be higher than we are. And I think it's, it's, we're just getting a little bit um, what I would call what I would, when I tell them, I said, we're getting a little greedy earlier in the shot clock than we need to. And, and so having the last week and a half to do that has been helpful. And, um, you know, and I think just, you know, defensively, um, you know, I think figuring out our rotation is one thing. Like we've got, we've got a couple freshmen who can help us, um, but against the schedule that we've played, it's hard to kind of figure out how much to integrate them. So sometimes you're trading a little more fatigue on defense with, okay, should I, should we, should we play, should we play our freshmen a little bit more to give us a rest? And that, I think that's a tough thing from a from a coaching standpoint is like. Do you, do you give your younger players a couple minutes here and there, maybe more so, um, because it can protect you, I think, defensively, um, you know, as the game goes on. Uh, Coach, looking ahead to, to this weekend's matchup versus Arkansas at home, I, I imagine that there are some fans that are like, all right, can we get through this Arkansas game and then get to the Stanford one on the road, a top three team, top two team in the country, and then UConn. But it's like, don't overlook Arkansas. Undefeated on the year, also in the top 25. W- what have you seen from them? What type of challenges will they present this weekend? Well, they have two dynamic guards who can both get to the rim and, and make threes both, and they're they're – they're not a complicated team on offense. They're what you'd call a space and 
or pace and space. I mean, they, they play reasonably fast and they're not, they don't do a lot, but they, they just trust the spacing and, and, and the fact that these two guards can get to the rim uh, and then everybody else can, you know, their wings can make threes and their posts are, are good rollers and finishes at the rim. And, um, and then defensively, they're, they're a reasonably high pressure team. I mean, they'll try to get after us a little bit, but I think we can expose them. Um, I think the, the thing that stood out to me from our, our win over them last year is one, we outscored them in transition points, which you wouldn't think we would be able to do against an SEC team. And we outscored them in second chance points, which I think is, is, is going to be another key to the game is they're, you know, for an SEC team, they're, they're probably a little better rebounding team than they were last year, but they probably weren't, you know, they're a team that we can compete on the glass. And I think maybe even expose a little bit on the glass. So, um, but uh, balanced team, uh, four people in double figures and, and, and some, and some guards who can really get downhill against us. Coach, one more before we let you go. Um, you, you think before the season, you lay out goals of you know what you hope to accomplish, big picture, small picture, non-conference season. You, you sit, as we mentioned at the, the outset of the interview, only one loss so far, eight and one, and of course some conference games mixed in there already. Uh, is this where you hope to be as the, as the calendar year 2022 came to a close? Yeah, I think if you told me we would be eight and one, I'd have taken it and run with it, especially given – how road heavy our schedule was and, and, and with some really good teams. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think, can we play better? Absolutely. And, and are we, are there areas where we need to get better? Um, Absolutely. But we knew that. I mean, I think, you know, even though we returned a lot, we still, we're still replacing some people and we're trying to, we're trying to see what our ceiling is. So when I talk about like how much can we integrate our freshmen, it's, it's not, because they can help us win maybe today it's because maybe they can make us be- better in February and March. And I think that's something every coach kind of struggles with. Um, but I think, I think the goal is I, this team has a high ceiling and we're a ways away from that. I feel like, but at the same time, that's not unusual. You, you go through growing pains every season. Um, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we found, we found ways to win and, and, you know, to, to, to have graduated a 50 year point guard, you know, we knew there were some going to be some, um, even though we returned a lot of L, uh, a lot everywhere else, we knew there were going to be some things that we needed to figure out. And, uh, I think we're getting closer, but, but yeah, if you'd have told me eight and one, I'd have, I'd have taken it and run and, and, uh, but we've got lots and lots of, uh, really, really tough games coming up and our league is doing really well. Our league is the bottom of our league has really outperformed where they've performed um, in recent years. And that's both good and bad. It's bad because they're harder, <laughs> could be harder wins, but it's good from a, from a, a final resume standpoint. Well, it's another top 25 matchup at Sokol this weekend. One o'clock is when it will tip off. You can hear that game on 1180 The Zone, uh, finishing up the non-conference slate next week on Tuesday at Stanford, and then back at home after Christmas versus UConn in a game that I will be on the call for. Uh, Certainly looking forward to that one. Coach, uh, good luck with the shopping as you finish up uh, that, (laughs) but maybe more importantly, good luck this weekend versus Arkansas as you finish up the non-conference slate. We appreciate you joining us today on the podcast thanks much josh john back to you pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra 
just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. Needless to say, it's been a tough couple of weeks for Creighton basketball. Suffering through one of their longest losing streaks in recent memory and going through a gauntlet of a schedule, which now continues in Big East play with a Friday night game at Marquette. Connor Happer has more on that and a recap of Creighton Athletics. Connor? All right, thank you, John. Welcome back. I'm Connor Happer, more of the 1620 The Jays podcast for this week. Or a couple year, couple weeks ago, excuse me, uh, we talked about the four major sports for Creighton going into such a pivotal moment. It was the intersection of men's basketball, women's basketball, men's soccer. Women's soccer, of course, had finished up already. And then women's volleyball. Those have been referred to as the four major sports at Creighton. Uh, and we were talking about a couple weeks ago, how significant this period of time was with Creighton men, you know, the Creighton men ba- men's basketball team going into, you know, the the most anticipated season that we had ever seen. And, and soccer was going on their run. Women's basketball had started the season so hot. And volleyball, I believe, at that point, had won the Big East tournament waiting for the NCAA tournament at that point. So what I wanted to do today is sort of take you through how that went um, and where things sort of head for each of those programs at this point, we'll start with we'll start with volleyball, who um, you know unfortunately they 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 suffered the the toughest fate I think out of all of these. I guess we could talk about it with uh, men's basketball as well, uh, but they you know they host the uh, first first round of the NCAA tournament at home in in DJ Sokol Arena, and they and they lose to Auburn on uh, on Friday the second of December, and and that's the way their season ends. It's so tough because. You have you have all these matches all year, and, and Creighton was such a hot team going into the NCAA tournament too. You know, finished off with 27 wins on the year. You're able to ride through the Big East tournament, win it against Marquette, and you know we're headed to the Final Four in Omaha this weekend. It'll be without uh, the local Blue Jays, unfortunately. But man, what a season! For them, like I said, 27 wins, and, and listening to Kirsten Bernthal Booth talk about it afterwards, and, and she's right about it. 
There's no reason to hang your head about the season that you just had. And Creighton is one of those programs, and and here's the positive part. So you walk away with the Big East title, 27 wins, lose to Auburn. And I remember she was cautious. Uh, she was cautioning all of us going into that NCAA tournament saying, hey, whoa, we gotta, we got to watch out for Auburn now. We don't get a free pass to the Sweet 16 the, se- the second weekend just because the regional weekend, just because we get to host. Um, and, and, you know, Creighton came out and it, they – they got a slow start and, and and sort of turned on the switch a little bit too late against Auburn, um, but they've established themselves at a, as a program that you know is going to be there every year. They're likely going to be hosting every year, and you know you you get to the first weekend, you get to the second weekend. Creighton's done that, um, you know, a few times before here. And you know, ultimately, you're going to be in the conversation to get to that to that third weekend in the Final Four, wherever that may be. So, um, you know, everybody knows that they're a threat, um, and you know you're going to have to go through Omaha. And I think that's the strength, and that's the that's the you know the way the program has established itself at this point. Um, and, and everyone knows what kind of competition you're getting when you when you play Creighton in volleyball. Unfortunately, didn't go their way in the first round of the NCAA tournament, uh, so their season comes to an end. Let's go over to um, let, let's go over to soccer. Um, so we'll we'll mix things up here. We'll we'll finish with with men's basketball, who's in a in a, t- a little bit of a tough way right now. But man, I think last time we talked, um, it was maybe, gosh, I guess it was prior to the. Um, Prior to the College Cup match against Duke, we uh, maybe we had knew that they had, they had made the College Cup at that point, or they were just before that match against Tulsa. Um, but I mean, I you can't say enough about this group, um, led by Duncan McGuire. It was announced uh, Thursday that he's he's a finalist for um, you know the basically the the college soccer version of the Heisman, uh, which is definitely notable. Uh, for them, that's the Mac Herman Trophy, and he's, he's a finalist for that, and that'll get announced. Um, let's see here, uh, shortly. Uh, let's see, January sixth. Uh, that's when the banquet will be, and then they'll announce. Uh, they might announce winners before that, but they'll formally announce them. So one of three, um, and, and the other two both in the in the in the College Cup as well. And Levante Johnson from Syracuse and Peter Stroud from Duke. Um, so you have that, you have the hardware to go with it. Um, you got a, you got a big East title out of it. So many upsets along the way. And, and you know, just talking to Johnny Torres throughout, obviously this is a, a an older group. So they're going to, there's going to be some turnover, uh, next year, but so much is learned. And I just, I, I really appreciated coach Torres's attitude throughout the entire tournament of, you know, you taking it one match at a time, but. You know, there was the feeling that Creighton was somewhat of an underdog because they didn't have the little, you know, they didn't have the seed by him or, uh, you know, the high ranking by him or anything like that. But they knew what they were capable of, um, and they got hot, beat Missouri State in that really, really cold game at home a week before Thanksgiving, one on on the road at Washington, one on the road at Tulsa, uh, one on the road at Duke, um, and then got to go back to North Carolina uh, to get Syracuse in in the College Cup and... Uh, ended up falling just a hair short there, but man, 
what a successful season and a monumental one in terms of um, you know just the soccer program and the men's soccer program and and where they're at right now, making that run all the way um, to the the final four and losing to the uh, eventual national champions. So and there's nothing to really hang your head about there. And and Creighton may have proved that they're one of, if if not the best, or one of the top two or three teams in the country uh, with the way that they played this season, the, especially the way they finished it off. Let's let's go to basketball. Let's go to women's basketball to start off here. Um, so not much has gone wrong for this group. Uh, they eight are they're eight and one as we speak right now. Uh, lost to St. John's, a good St. John's team, undefeated at the time when they played them. Um, and, and and lost by four on the road during a stretch where you're you're out on the East Coast for the whole weekend after beating another top twenty five team in Villanova basically two you know two nights before less than forty eight hours before and um, then you, you you head into finals week you got Drake at home and you stuck by him a little bit you had a little bit of a difficulty I think finishing that one um, but beat Drake at home this past Saturday the tenth. And now you get a week to to recharge the batteries a little bit because here's what's coming. This is the stretch that we've talked about for the Creighton women. Arkansas at home is a ranked team at Stanford uh, on on Tuesday the 20th and then home against UConn uh, the week after Christmas, the, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. And, man, that is going to be a fun three-game stretch, a grueling three-game stretch, and don't sleep on DePaul after that either. Um, a grueling three-game stretch, but a really important one. And and I think you know the attitude is you just see where you land in that. Um, I, I don't know that there's a whole. And Creighton's got the you know Creighton's got the number by them right now uh, with their ranking, but I don't know you know what whatever it ends up in those four games. I don't think you're okay with losing all four and you don't really plan on winning all four. It ends up somewhere in the middle. Um, you, you're sort of, you have an idea of where you're going to end up when you come out on the other side. Um, so it's a really good test for this group who's been playing such good basketball and, and they always play such team basketball. So um, a, a test that I believe uh, Flans group is ready for as they head into a, 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 as tough of a three or four game stretch as maybe we've ever seen in Creighton women's basketball history. Speaking of tough stretches, let's let's finish this off with men's basketball. Um, and, and you know, to to touch on the scheduling piece of this again, I do think that is one of the topics that you have to talk about with with uh, with Greg McDermott's group. So you you have the Maui Invitational. You play really well there. You play and and win one of which will be one of the best college basketball games that we'll see all year when they beat Arkansas the Tuesday before Thanksgiving in Maui and then just ran out of gas, I think, against Arizona. But there was no bad feelings. No bad feelings coming out of Maui, um, really at all. It was just, you know, we we did what we were supposed to do. We maybe even were a hair better than we thought we were. We're competing with the best teams in the country. And um, you come out of it. And you go to Texas on the third on the on Thursday the first of December and really just shoot poorly and, and I and I think you thought that that's what it was at the time that's all it was at the time and then you have the loss to Nebraska um, and, and that was sort of a shock to the system and an unexpected one um, you have to come back and go to Vegas. 
BYU and Arizona State. BYU is a it's a you know will end up being a pretty bad loss. Arizona State not bad. Um, and and Creighton's just struggling right now. I, I think there's there's some of it. You know, how much of it do you take seriously with the absence of Ryan Kalkbrenner over the last two games? Um, you know, you worry about some other things like the consistency in shooting, um, bench depth, things like that. Um, but, you know, th- there's no doubt that there's there's concern right now. Uh, Coach Mack put out a tweet um, on, on Wednesday of this week, and he said, hey, look, <laughs> nobody's giving up on this team. We're not giving up on this team. I hope you don't either, basically. And, and, and I think that's the way that you have to approach it right now. Nobody's giving up. But you are in this, I mean, high major competition all the way from, we highlighted it when we did the schedule show, Josh and I, um, in an earlier edition of the podcast, but high major competition from November 21st to the end of the season. And that's it. And the only high major teams um, starting in Maui, and those are your only four games, plus you know, five if you want to include the exhibition against Drury. Um, those are your only five games of the year where you get the quote-unquote tune-up. And um, so there's no breaks the rest of the way. Maybe you can catch your breath after Friday, so uh, Creighton at Marquette on Friday night, which is you know a hugely important game, and I think the attitude is sort of win it, you know, just by any means necessary, win it, win it, win it, and then you can maybe use the next week because you're back at home against Butler and DePaul the next Thursday and Sunday, so the 22nd and 25th of December. So you can use the five six days in between and say, all right, what. What can we address right now? Can we take a good deep dive on what's going on? And and you know what? Maybe the simple answer for them is you get Ryan Kalkbrenner back and everything is everything's fine again. Maybe that is the answer. I, I, I do think it's possible that that could be because he's he's such a central focus of what they do. Um, but this is this is going to be an important one on Friday. They're likely not going to have Kalkbrenner again. Um, but you know it's it's kind of a play it by ear game time decision type of thing. But there's no doubt about it. They're they're scuffling. Um, they've lost. They've now lost a couple that you know they weren't supposed to lose. Um, they they still have a couple really good wins in their back pocket. Obviously that'll help come March. But right now I think it's the focus is internal instead of external. I, I talked about this on a previous edition as well. When we talk about Creighton basketball. We we have to think about it in terms of what is it going to take to get a one seed or what is it going to take to get a two seed and what's the resume going to look like? Well, you know, I didn't think they'd lose five in a row, so kind of scrap that idea for now. And I think instead of external, you're looking internally. Um, you got to figure yourself out first, um, and and you sort of go from there. And that's regardless of the opponent. So this game on Friday, um, the day you're hearing this podcast come out for the first time, uh, it's a big one on the road at Marquette for Greg McDermott squad. All right, that's your roundup for now. Um, next week, we'll be back with you on another episode of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm Connor Happer. We'll send it back over to John. Blue Jay and basketball fans alike are mourning the loss of Paul Silas, the former Blue Jay star and NBA player and coach, passed away this past week at the age of 79. Silas came to Creighton from Oakland, California, as legendary coach Red McManus pulled him from the West Coast, and speaking of pulling, Paul Silas pulled down a lot of rebounds in his career. 
He is the all-time leader in rebounds at Creighton, a record that I feel very comfortable in saying will never be broken, just simply because he has the top three single-season rebounding totals in Blue Jay history. His top 22 rebounding efforts are the all-time leaders in rebounds per game. That's right. He holds the top 22 single-game rebounding marks, including several rebounding games of over 30. Get over 15 these days, and that's cause for great headlines. But 1,751 rebounds all-time. That is top 10 all-time in NCAA annals. And then Silas would go on to do that exact same work on the boards during a lengthy career in the NBA, which featured two world championships with the Boston Celtics and another at the end of his career with the Seattle Supersonics. And then Silas graduated to the bench where he was a longtime coach in the NBA, including being the first professional head coach for LeBron James. Paul Silas was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in Kansas City back in 2017 when the Jays participated in the Hall of Fame tournament down in downtown Kansas City. And it was there I had a chance to catch up to the Creighton legend. So as we remember Paul Silas's life and times, here's a little look back from Paul's own words. Paul Silas. Well, it certainly is a pleasure and an honor to be sitting next to a Creighton Hall of Famer, now a basketball college basketball Hall of Famer, Paul Silas, the great Paul Silas. It, it, how, how humbling is the honor to finally come after all these years? Well, it's only been 53 years, but <laughs> I tell everybody, good things happen when you least expect. So, so I knew it. Was, I didn't know it was going to happen right away, but when it did, I th- just thought it was the greatest thing ever, you know. And uh, because you know, 20 rebounds and uh, 20 points in three years was something, and uh, I just wondered why they didn't see it earlier than that. But it was great to get it, you know, and seeing the other guys that were here with me, outstanding. So it was good. And now seeing the team, and I'm going to watch the team tonight, it's going to be great. Yeah, the chance to actually be here in person. When's the last time you've seen Creighton in person? You know, I watch him all the time, uh, but, you know, I, I haven't seen him that, that often. But uh, I'm going to do different now. I'm, I'm, I'm coming up here. A lot of people are here and asking me, uh, are you coming to Creighton and watch everybody? I say, yes, I am now. So that's what I'm going to do. It's, it's, a little, good. it's a little bit easier now that they're in the Big East. They're on TV a little more in your part of the woods in Charlotte. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not that far from, from where they are, you know, so I can get on a plane. I think it's only about an hour or so to, to get there. So it's going to be better, a lot better. Talk about those days. Uh, you mentioned the 20 points, the 20 rebounds. You still have the top 22 rebounding single-game performances in Creighton history. We keep talking about records that never get broken. I don't think there's any way that anyone's going to break that, break any of those marks that you have, especially those 30 rebound games. Well, yeah, you know, it was very interesting uh, when we were playing at that time and getting that many rebounds, but nobody does that right now. You know, uh, nobody really does uh, the offensive rebounding as much. They do defensive rebounding as, as much as they possibly can, but it's totally different now. So I, I, just, I just don't think it's ever going to happen again, you know, where somebody's going to take that. What was the secret then to your success? Well, you know, I just wanted to talk to my coach, uh, you know, Red McManus. He always told me what to do. 
and uh, it was great, you know. I listened to him. Uh, he knew that if I would rebound better and uh, defend, then, uh, you know, I would talk to the rest of the players, and I, and I would. Sometimes I got on them and, and uh, you know, talked to them about what was going on, and it just worked. But uh, I just really expected Red when I was here because uh, he was just a very good man. Well, yeah, I think it's a testament. You have so many of your former teammates here with you this weekend. Uh, what, what, would you, what do you think Coach Red would say right now looking down at what you guys are doing? You know, he would be, it would be unbelievable because he was such a good man to all of us. And, uh, you know, we won some very, very good games. And, and uh, he never got on us, you know, about what he wanted us to do and all that kind of thing. And he was just a very good man. But, you know, we talk about him now and talk about when we played now. And it was just the best thing that ever happened to all of us. He'd be awful proud because back in those days, you guys traveled a lot. You weren't in the conference, so you went everywhere. Now in the Big East, we're going coast to coast. I, I got to imagine he'd be he'd be pretty impressed with what uh, has become of his old school. Isn't that the truth? Uh, we, you know, we went everywhere to play basketball. Very, very few games that we have, you know, at Creighton. But, uh, you know, he, he we, we, we did whatever we wanted to do. And uh, we played a lot of good games uh, on the road and whatnot, and it just worked. Uh, but he was the man that wanted us to play hard and to win, and we did. You know, they, they eight and 17 before we, we started, and after we started, we were good. And he wanted to be a good coach also, you know, and he, and he was a good one even after we left. So it was very good. And then, of course, you went into coaching after your many years in the NBA. What did you take the lessons you took from him when you became a coach? Well, I wanted to talk to the players about what they are supposed to do. You know, he told us about uh, one thing that I even talked to the coach here now, and he said he tell the players, if you're open, you got to shoot the basketball. And that's what uh, Ray, he, he did to us. You know, he talked to us about that, and it was just perfect. And the defense, you know, the defense and the rebounding was something that uh, – they, they don't do that well anymore. Even when I was coaching, though, I had the players to do what I did, and uh, they were a lot better, a lot better. When you look at how the game has changed, and we've talked about it before with rebounding, what is the biggest difference? Is it a mentality or is it just a style of play why we don't see the kind of rebounds that you did back in your day? Well, they want to get back, uh, you know, when they uh, on offense, they're going to get back to defense rather than them, the, the, the people getting the ball and going back. But it just doesn't work to me that way. And, and even I talk to uh, some of the coaches now in the NBA and tell them, uh, you know, they got to redo what they're doing now. But it just doesn't happen. You know, it's a totally different game. We never shot threes and that kind of thing. Uh, what they do now, that's huge. And so the game is just totally different now. But I would still tell the players, you got to rebound. <laughs> <laughs> well, there have been a few games last year where we sorely were beaten on the offensive glass and it hurt us. Do you have any idea, how many, what was the percentage of your rebounds that were offensive? You know, I can't remember what it was, but I, I, I uh, did very well offensively rebounding. And uh, you know, it was 20, but I don't think it was uh, 10, you know, an offense. But uh, it was good. I really enjoyed what I was doing. And even the players that played against me knew that I was going to go after it. And they tried to, you know, do something to me. And I would just knock the heck out of it when I could and get the rebound. So it worked out. 
What's your favorite memory from Creighton? Any a game or a moment, a season? Do you have a favorite memory? Well, you know, I just watched the uh, place now, you know, and Creighton and what the school was. I watched, you know, what the city was. And I was there about uh, four years ago, and I hadn't been there for a long time. And now that I see that city, it's just unbelievable. I just said it, it's totally different. And I drove everywhere that I was driving before. And I said, this is just unbelievable, you know. So it's just great. And I love the school. And, you know, what I want to do is come back and see when the players practice, they said, this thing is unbelievable. So I want to see that, you know, and uh, I just love what, what's going on with, with the players coming here uh, and uh, everything that's going on with Creighton. It didn't happen that way before, but it's happening now. The coach is just terrific, you know. <laughs> he, he's got it going on. We talked about it and and I told him what, what he does, you know, when you open, you got to shoot. I said, man, that's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's how, great. How did you end up at Creighton? Because you were born in Arkansas. You, you grew up in California. How did you end up at Creighton? Well, uh, I was, uh, you know, at McClyman's High School, and I had won like uh, 60, 68 games in a row, and I never lost a game. And uh, I was going to try to go to uh, college out there, but I didn't have the grades. And then uh, uh, Red McManus came out there and talked to me and said, you know, he would like me to come and play for him. And I didn't want to do anything, but I went there, you know, and saw everybody and they talked to me about coming and so forth. And then he went out and talked to my dad and my dad said, you going. And so that's exactly what happened. So, uh, you know, when, when I when I saw the team later and uh, I just wondered, is the team ever going to be that good? You know, after we were pretty good and eventually they did. And uh, it was just wonderful to see things happen with the ball club. Yeah, and it, the guy sitting next to you had a little bit of something to do with that when Coach Apke became your former teammate, became coach and beat Larry Bird and did all those great things. Exactly. He was so good, you know, and uh, I was there with him at, at, at one time, and I just wondered, I said, man, you, you, you're going to do this? He said, yeah, I'm going to be the coach, and because he was the assistant coach first and then became the head coach, you know, and he's just unbelievable. He, he his, his mind is so good about coaching and what he, should, he has done and so forth. It was just outstanding. Well, congratulations, Mr. Silas. Uh, it's been a long, long overdue award, and let's hope the team rewards you with a couple of good games this week. Well, I hope they will. You know, I don't just want them to play as good as they possibly can and win as much as they can, but they're looking good. I hope everything goes well. As we wrap things up on the 1620 The Jays podcast, here's a look at the Creighton schedule over the next few days. Starting on Friday night, the Blue Jays try to end a five-game losing streak as they start Big East play at Marquette. Ravi Lula starts our coverage with Blue Jays shoot-around at 6 p.m. on 1620 The Zone, and then we'll be joined by 1019 The Keg for the play-by-play action tip-off at 745. Then the Creighton women on Saturday afternoon will take on Arkansas over at Sokol Arena. That game will start at 1 o'clock. You'll be able to hear that on our sister station, 1180 the zone. Then on the Tuesday night, 9 p.m., Creighton women go to the West Coast to take on the Stanford Cardinal. We'll have coverage on Sister Station 1180 The Zone. The men will be finally back at home on Thursday, December the 22nd, 7 o'clock tip against the Butler Bulldogs. We'll have coverage on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. 
And then on Christmas Day, yes, the Blue Jays are back on Christmas Day as they take on the DePaul Blue Demons over at CHI Health Center Arena. The pregame coverage will be in at 3 p.m. with tip-off at 3.30 Christmas Day on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The K. We will be back, of course, with another edition next week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. For my colleagues Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop reminding you that 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you each week by Barry Law, your most important assets to your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.